We at the Other Side of Hell podcast are not therapists, doctors, or counselors. We're just two guys who have been through hell and come out the other side. Please be aware, we may talk about drinking and drugging in detail. Anyone struggling with addiction may find this triggering. Our goal is to share our stories, explore our struggles, and connect with others through our experience. Remember, we are not alone. There is hope, and together we can get better. What's up, world? I'm Willie. And I'm Cameron. Yes, you are. Yes, I am. Welcome to the Other Side of Hell podcast. Welcome, welcome. Cameron, it's good to see you. It's been a sec. Yeah. It's good to be here it on is, this man. lovely evening. I feel, yeah, what day is it? <laughs> yeah. It, it really is good to be here, man. I've, I've been living in a lot of gratitude lately for this platform and just what we've been able to do here and how long we've been able to do it and the sobriety and the camaraderie and the team and the people we've got to know and the stories that we have. I'm just feeling full of love. Seems like we, um, we're we pretty lucky. Yeah, yeah, we are pretty lucky. And, and being lucky, you know, we have in our area, we have an amazing recovery community. You know, we, we have a large worldwide recovering community, but we didn't know that community pre-COVID. You know, we, not like we do now, not like we do now, but, but, you know, we did have a continuously, we've had a really tight net, amazing recovery community in our own area. And we've been fortunate enough to get some of those stories. And today we get to share some of the hometown stories. Yeah. You like that? You know, the stories from people that we know personally that we've got to watch grow and, and meet in recovery. And today we have Jeff's story and dude had a fucking rough go, man. I'm excited to share it with everybody, but getting Jeff's story, it brought back some, some things that I didn't always have, if you will. Right. Like as I was listening to him share his story and got to talk to him, it reminded me that there was a time that I didn't even dare hope or dream. And so we pulled a topic out of that and it's called what? Rediscovering your hopes and dreams. Yeah. Because I think that the, you know, I mean, speaking for me personally, I know that when I was, when I was drinking and using, I, I didn't have any hopes yeah. and dreams, you know? Yeah. And Jeff, Jeff, when he was sharing a story, he said something in it and we'll get to a story. It's pretty great. You know, he said something in it. He hoped to have hope. And I remember that. I remember being so hopeless that I thought, man, it would be nice to have a little hope that I could get out of this. But I didn't dare dream any any big dreams because I found in active addiction and even even I would I would dare say before I was full blown addict, you know, I was always putting on a facade. And so it wasn't uncommon for me to like to to tell a story or tell a hope, knowing that at a deep level I was never gonna have it come true. Mm. You know, I was never going to be the person that I portrayed in my in my story, what I was sharing with somebody or whatever. And as a kid, I don't know about you, but I had a pretty vivid imagination. You know, I I could go to places in my mind where I was living pretty, pretty grand. Oh, yeah. You know, and and I could spend hours and hours there, you know, the, the child's imagination. But, you know, as as it goes, my imagination turned into just another letdown. Um because, you know, we're, we're told so many times, so many places, you can be anything you want, you can do anything you want. And I found that that's not exactly true the way that I thought it was mm. 
as a child, right? Mm-hmm. And so, and we bring we bring this stuff into our lives. We bring those things that that, that we have as children into our lives and as into our adult lives. And and that was one of them, you know, just letting myself down and the world letting me down around me. It was all a big letdown a lot of times. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I what I wonder is like what came first, right? Like, did I did I stop believing in my dreams and then turn to drugs and alcohol as a solution or did I turn to drugs and alcohol as a solution and thus decided that I wasn't going to be able to achieve those, those thoughts and dreams, those hopes and dreams. Because for me, like I, I, I too, you know, had all these just giant notions of, of how life was going to be and, and what I was going to be able to do and, and the things that I would have, and um, if for me personally, when I think about it, like there's definitely a level of naivete with it because I also didn't think that I had to do the work to get those things. <laughs> that's funny. That's kind of where my mind was going. Right. Like I, I expected all. I, I expected to have all of the things that I had hoped and dreamed, but I didn't know the path to get there. You know. And, uh, and so I never took one. Right. And I just kept thinking, you know, like one day it's going to happen. Yeah. Checks in the mail. One day, like I'll just, you know, somebody will just see that I deserve these things (laughs) and just hand them to me. Yeah. And, uh, and that's not how it works. Yeah. I don't think. Um, and, and so, yeah, like I wonder because at, at some point, like I remember very vividly, like this conscious thought that I had in my mind, of like, of thinking, this, that was all bullshit. Like that, that's not gonna happen. Mm-hmm. Like the, like this is my life. I'm stuck in this hell, and everything that I thought was gonna happen for me doesn't look like it's gonna happen. Yeah, and um, and just having this soul crushing pressure, you know, on me at that time, like realizing that that was all garbage. Um, And obviously, like, I was in sort of the throes of addiction at this time, but I don't know, I don't know. It's it's interesting to think about, like, what would have happened to that thinking pattern had I not also been in the throes of addiction? You know, like, would I have decided to take work? Would I have started to, to take action and do the work or... Or was that kind of always the way that it was going to work out for me? Yeah, it's hard to say, right? Right. I re- I remember, you know, when you're when you were sharing that, I I picture you at your desk at, at the IRS after a bender, sitting there hungover, and and in deep thought. The phones are ringing around oh. you. Just everything's kind of blurred out. And here's Cameron in deep thought, thinking, "What happened?" Mm. This is it. And and it reminded me of a moment in my own life where, you know, I had been I had been in and out of jail. I had been on probation and parole. I was I was uh, running for my probation office and, and I was using again. And I knew I was going to be going back to jail. And I was probably 23, 20, you know, just just around the time I went to treatment at 24. It was, it was just pre that. Um, we had already went through the big bust, um, you know, the big sting operation that happened in my life. And I was in between going to treatment, 
and jail. So I'd gotten out of jail, supposed to be going to treatment. I started using again. And I, I was I was high and I was sitting in the stairway of these apartment buildings, right? And the people I went to go see weren't home. Uh, I couldn't go back to my parents' house. I hadn't been arrested yet. There was literally nowhere that I really could go. And so I crawled in the window of my buddy's apartment and I laid down on his floor and went to sleep. And, and when he got home, he woke me up. And he's like, what the fuck are you doing in my apartment, bro? <laughs> and I thought we were on a different level, right? Like I thought, I thought like, <laughs> what? Well, this isn't yeah, cool. This yeah, isn't this, all right. This ain't okay. Like, like it's me, you know? And, and, and he was set, he was taken back by it and, and I had to leave. And I remember walking around going like, this is my life. You know, this, this is who I've become. Nowhere to go. No, nowhere mm. to be. No one to be. And I didn't think it was going to be like this. Mm -hmm. Right. And mm -hmm. so by that point in my life, I had stopped really kind of dreaming of my life being any different. You know, um, I, uh, I remember as a kid thinking, you know, maybe I could be an actor. You know, I wanted to be like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Everybody wanted to be Arnold yeah. Schwarzenegger. Yeah. I always like to throw out a little challenge to people. Like, try to imagine a world without Arnold. You know? I don't, that's not a world I want to be a part yeah, of. Yeah, it's a fucked up world, right? Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I got to a place where I was hopeless. And, and I could relate with Jeff when he said, uh, you know, I wanted to find a place where I could hope to have hope. Because it, it got that dark. And, and I think... You know, as as we come into this place, at some point, somehow, and maybe you can tell us where it comes from, because I don't know, we get this notion that that perhaps the drugs are the problem, right? It, it was never, it was never me off the rip. That's what I learned to discover. That's what I discovered after getting sober and doing some work. That the way that I think and the way that I react and the way that I view the world around me is the problem, but. At some point, I thought, well, maybe it's the drugs. Mm. Maybe it's the alcohol. Maybe it's the way that I use and drink. You know? And and I don't know. When there, you say that, do you mean, like, the 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 reason why you're not accomplishing things is because yeah, of the, the drugs? Well, the, the reason why my life is shit. Okay, okay, sure. The reason why I can't do anything, why I can't hold a job, why I can't right. go to my parents' house, why... Why my friends care if I break into their apartments, you know, is because of the drugs. Yeah. It's because of the alcohol. It's because of what it's made me. The drugs and alcohol have made me this, you know, low bottom person. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, the desire to get sober comes along somewhere in that. Right. And I'm not sure. I guess I guess I would call that hope for something different you know so yeah. like how do we how do we define hope man i don't know if it was like the desire to to do something different like i don't think it was the desire to get sober i don't think i wanted to get sober i just i wanted i wanted something right different. Yeah. yeah i wanted i wanted to get high and be successful yeah, exactly like <laughs> i guess i, I guess mean, that's a dream right yeah like I, I i wanted to to be able to continue to use and just not have consequences. So, I mean, for me, like, I don't, I don't, I knew that the drugs and alcohol were something that I couldn't, 
seem to be without, right? Like I couldn't seem to not do them. And I, and it could, it didn't seem like possible for me to do it without consequences. Um, but I, it was so hard for me to see that as the actual problem, like the only problem, I guess. And so I guess I've, I'm kind of answering my own question, like what came first? Like for me, I feel like the drugs and alcohol like really became even more of an, an escape and a problem when the hopes and dreams died. Right. And, and I felt completely stuck in this life that I never wanted. Yeah. You know? And by that, I mean like, a, a job that I absolutely was miserable at a house that I, and, and, and whatever, like these are my things, right? Like, yeah. Um, a house that I was paying a mortgage on that I didn't care for. Like I didn't feel like I needed it. Like all this stuff made me feel like I needed to be married. And then that didn't seem to work out, you know? And, um, and, and so like, I just felt stuck in this weird, just nothing, nothing. There was nothing. I looked at my whole life and there was nothing that, that made sense. I was like, why am I working this job? Why do I live in this house? Like what, why do I think I need to be in a relationship? Like what the fuck? Like what the fuck? <laughs> what the fuck happened to me? Yeah. Like what happened, you know? And, and not only that, but like, and I can't, I can't get through a fucking day without getting completely blitzed. Yeah. Like, what is that? Yeah. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so like, as, as we're kind of sitting here thinking about it, it's like, I, I, I don't think that I wanted to get sober as much as I just needed things to be different. Yeah. You know? And, and so hope that, hope that things could be different, I think was maybe the first the first bit yeah. of that, you know, like maybe things can be different. Yeah. And then, and then we go about experimenting with that. Right. Like, like, cause I, I can totally relate, you know, um, I wanted things different, but I didn't want to stop getting high. And so what did we do? Right. We would change from scotch to brandy, right. uh, only smoke <laughs> weed. Um, you know, not drink before work. We try these. We try these ridiculous things that don't work for the alcoholic, right? Because at some point, you know, we didn't realize that this was this was a lot bigger than using and drinking. And so we tried all these things, but uh, when when they didn't work, we finally surrendered. Mm. I guess you know, mm -hmm. I finally surrendered um, and took the path of least resistance which you know when when other sober people started popping up in my life and started telling their stories that was where the first glimmer of hope came from because right. they they were talking about the way that i felt and the way that i drank the way that i used right and and i could identify with that i could identify with the people that were feeling hopeless and i didn't know what to call it i could identify with the people that were in bad, broken relationships and in and out of jail. And, and these people would come around, you know, whether it was in jail or, you know, um, on listening to speakers or, or whatever, you know, I'd end up running around and running into these people, whether they were people in my own life. 
um, church with my parents or whatever, people would show up and they'd be like, I felt this way. And it turned out to be this problem. And I tried these solutions and, and we'll talk about what these are, but, and I thought, well, maybe that will work for me too. And I guess that was, that was the definition of hope at the time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. Like, okay. My hope is that my life could be different. I could feel different about myself. Uh, cause fuck dude, I, I hated feeling worthless, man. You know, I look back on it now and, and I could see like the desperation of just feeling hopeless. I hated feeling like I couldn't trust myself to be anything other than a fucking uh, uh, low bottom drunk. Yeah. You know, like there was no future for me. Um, I was I was too afraid to pull the trigger and I had no idea how to climb the mountain. Right. Like, yeah. Like it's just a fucking bad spot. Mm-hmm. And I hated hating myself and I got so used to it. And I'm so fucking grateful I'm not there anymore, you know, from from those people. And that's where that hope started. And so uh, I started listening to what they were doing. And that was a big help, right? Uh, listening to what they were doing as far as, like, the work behind the sobriety. Because just because I got sober doesn't mean that my hopelessness went away automatically. Because, right. you know, I don't want to I don't want to give that impression you know, the thing that we we're talking about before the show is this stuff takes work. Mm-hmm. Um, it takes action, you know, and action and it takes time. Yeah. It, mm-hmm. And it takes time, you know, and action breeds action, you know, hope breeds action, breeds, bre- brings hope. And, and so, um, you know, it's kind of a neat process to, to think, you know, when I go back and, and my first action in getting sober was deciding to get sober and then, opening my mouth and admitting that I had a problem with drugs and alcohol Yeah, to another sober person. Yeah. There was like this, this level of acceptance that had to happen where it was like, I just knew that that I wasn't going to get anywhere as long as I continued to use and drink like that. Yeah. I think for me is what it was. And, and, and yeah, I'm super grateful that I was in a place where, you know, when I first went into treatment and you hear this and it's, I mean, it's just, (laughs) it's what everybody says and I'm going to say it anyways, but like the desire was that you guys are going to teach me how to do it responsibly, (laughs) you know, like, cause to not do it just seems so too big. Yeah. It's too big to swallow. So like, you know, I'd get in there and then, and then be hit with the reality of like, okay, like it, it, it seems like every time I do a B happens, right? Like, and that math doesn't seem to change. And I was able to see that through the work that, you know, that they had me do in there and, and, uh, and the evidence and, and, and so like once I accepted that and was able to see other people around me, um, and be introduced to people like Willie, like we were talking about that before is that's where most of us met Willie is, um, you know, we came into a treatment center while we were in recovery. Um, but we were able to see people come in who had felt the way that we felt, had 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 the problems that we did, and were able to get sober. Yeah. And to see 
a light within them yeah. that had been so like long extinguished in ourselves mm-hmm. um, that it was like, huh, okay, like, so maybe a sober life isn't boring, right? You know, um, and uh, and really just say like begin the journey, you know, like okay, like, well, what does that mean? What does that mean if I'm sober? Like, what is what does this look like sober? Yeah. What does that look like sober? Like, what does this job look like sober? Like for me, it was like, how am I gonna deal with that job like sober? Yeah, like well, we'll fucking just do it one day at a time, you know. Like, <laughs> um, yeah. And so, yeah, I, it all started with that. You know? Yeah, it and, all started and, with that seed. And then, and then a really cool thing started happening to me. And, and you might uh, identify with this. You know, um, I started remembering who I was before. Sure. The drugs and alcohol were completely consumed me, and I became the street me. You know, and and I remember having having those vivid dreams for the future and having the belief in myself and having, you know, some, some type of hope and direction and self love. And, and I wanted to get some of that back. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, one of the things that I want to talk about is, is like, what is, what does that mean? How do we, how do we start, uh, you know, building a life on, the positive dreams that we have that come to us with a sober mind. Right. Yeah. Um, because you've talked about your career a lot. Um, one thing that you haven't talked a ton about is the desire to be a parent. Mm-hmm. Right. Or, um, the, you know, we've talked about our health journey, you know, but one of the things that we haven't talked a whole lot about is, is our desire or dream to be financially independent or, or, you know, successful, you know, mm-hmm. w- without the, the worry of money. Um, you know, we've, we've obviously done a podcast for quite a while, but how, how did we get here yeah. over, you know, what is this, you know, over way over 110 episodes, um, when 25 was a huge deal right? to continue to be able to do this and mm-hmm. connect and, and starting to dial in the type of people that, that we want to be. You know, once once the hope, once we can grab a hold of the hope, right? Like once we're no longer at a place where we're hoping for hope, which I think all all people in sobriety get to, we start living in hope, right? Um, and and Jordan had a really good. We were, we were talking about this before the show, and he had a really good um, acronym: having options potentially everywhere. That that. That uh, is a red star trademark of Jordan Jordan Young. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Breakpoint Media. Uh, <laughs> in case people don't know, but I love that. Yeah, you know, it's 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 it it really it is having options potentially everywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, and and believing in that, I think yeah. that's a great acronym because once once we are in hope, once we have options potentially everywhere we start to have dreams, mm-hmm. right? We start to dream the dream of being a father. We start to dream the dream of no longer living in financial despair. We start dreaming the dream of uh, being able to share our journey with people on a platform that's understandable and relatable 
so that we can help people. We start dreaming of being the kind of person that we would want in our own lives. Yeah. And, and, and the action that we take to start becoming that person is, is different for everybody, but it's okay to dream it, right? And it's okay to take that action. Well, yeah, I think what happens is we, we first get hope that we might get sober um, because we see the other people around us who have done the same thing. And then we get sober. Um, yeah. We're able to actually get and stay sober one day at a time. And then for, for me, like what that did for me is it, it actually made me realize that hopes can actually become reality, right? Like the things that I hope and dream um, can actually be a part of my life. Yeah. Um, and so I was really able to look at my whole life and say like, what kind of life do I want? Like, is this like, obviously I hate my job. Like I, I'm not happy with my living situation. Like why, why do I need to do any of this? And why can't I just walk away from it? You know? Yeah. Um, and really, begin to have hope that those things could also change. Right. Yeah. And understand that like things would be okay. Um, and that like, what the fuck else am I doing this for? Like if I, if I'm, if I'm sober, like why aren't I going to have the kind of life that I want? Right. You know? So, um, so it really was just like this moment where it was like, dude, let's just, one day at a time go through this shit and you know like I don't need to think about like I went back to school and it was huge for me to think about this is a four year program like this is going to be four years of my life I'm going to be working full time and going to school full time like what does that do to my life you know and I was like I'm not thinking about all that like I'm thinking about like okay how do I get through you know like next week like how can I like how do I navigate my obligations next week versus, you know, what it is I got to do for school, you know, and really just go through it. Like, honestly, when I was in school, like I went through one quarter at a time. It was like, because every fucking quarter it would change because my school schedule would change. And then all of a sudden I got to, you know, figure it all out all over again. Um, And for me, like that was, that was how I had to do things. And And I knew that like in the end of it, like I was going to actually have something that I wanted and that I worked for. Yeah. Um, and so I, I was able to do that. And again, it gave me hope like, okay, like how, what I did that. Yeah. What else can I do? How far can I go? Yeah. Like what, what, I mean, what, why not? Yeah. You know? And as far as the parenthood thing, like for me, like, <laughs> I actually like had sort of resigned to the fact that I wasn't going to have kids, you know? Yeah. I'd sort of like just said to myself, like, that's probably not going to happen. It's fine. Like, I don't need that. Like, this is my life. And I think that, um, that's another important element to remember with all this is that I can have plans, I can have hopes and I can have dreams. And sometimes God has other plans, right? Um, and that's not to say that I accept the level of shittiness that is around me. Like what that means for me is that 
there are other things that will come my way that are exactly what I need and less of what I want. I love that. Right? Yeah. Um, and my wife and my child are exactly that. You yeah. Know? Like my wife came into my life and I've said it before, like she's not who I would have picked. Yeah. But she's, she's who I need. Be- beyond perfect. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and she's, be, and I'd be fucking miserable with who I would have picked. <laughs> like, mind you, like I can, only, right. like I, I picked a lot yeah. and it was always bad, you know? So, um, and the relationship that we have is incredible. Yeah. Incredible. And I'm so grateful for that. And then I knew that she wanted children and eventually it was like, that sounds really cool. Let's, yeah. Let's do that. And now I've got this child and I'm just like, I can't imagine it being any other way. Yeah. And so, yeah, I can totally relate, man. You know, I, I really like what you said about getting what we need and not what we have, because if I got what I wanted, what I thought that I wanted, mm-hmm. I would still be in um, corporate construction, right? I would still be a superintendent for some, maybe not the same company, but some major giant construction company running crews, running jobs for other people, right? Because I never dreamed, mm. you know, sometimes, like you said, we get way more than than what we could think for ourselves, you know, but I, I never dreamed of being a business owner. I, I, I never had the confidence to do that. And I was placed in position after position where um, I was left with a couple different options. And, and the, it seemed like the smartest one for me was to just work for myself, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that I've learned is, like, if you can do something for somebody else, if you can run a crew for someone else, if you can budget for someone else, if you can find jobs and, and tasks and make uh, – you know, do lumber takeoffs and, and read plans. If you can do all those things for someone else, you can do that for yourself. Right. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So don't get it fucked up. Like if, if you have a job and you like your job and you're good at your job, then you can do that job for yourself. And that's something that I didn't realize until I was in the position to do that for myself. And, and out of it, you know, when I first started it, um, my entire dream was to just make as much as I did, you know, to make enough to, to pay the bills because I was living in a house, which was a dream come true, right? Prior to our home, we were living in a cam- in a trailer, and before that, we were living in a camper. And Avery and I dreamed of, of having a family, and everybody thought we were fucking nuts. <laughs> you know, people thought we were nuts just yeah. for being together because we used together, right. and we got clean together. And um, I had the hope that, that we could do this that we could do this from a camper and we could build a life worth living a life that we're not willing to give up to get high over and when we started trying to have a kid it was difficult like you said um because uh for people that don't know when you're trying yeah. actively to have a child right it's it, it's it's a lot different than when you're just banging it out to have a good time uh it, you're on the schedule and it's time to do this and you have to perform at certain times and you have to wait. Certain, and there's a lot of work involved. And, and then 
when it doesn't look like it's going to happen, there's a, a level of disappointment and relief. I won't mm. lie. Like, oh, good. Let's <laughs> just get back to normal. But then when it does happen, all of a sudden, you know, um, this whole entire perspective changes on who I am and what I'm responsible for. And now, you know, knowing that I'm able and capable of providing and taking care of other human beings in a loving manner based in selflessness because I love taking care of my family. We were able to move into a mobile home. We were able to remodel that. You know, I had a dream of making that a better place for my family, and I did that. And then I dreamed of moving into a house so that my children had a, a yard to play in and a, and a stable place. We started taking classes on how to be parents because our dream was to be great parents. We don't want to wing this fucking thing. We don't want to just, you know, do this off the cuff. We want to understand where we're coming from and what children need because we don't fucking know. Right. Yeah. No, I, f I fucking know what kids need, you know. Uh, for me, I as a kid, I think I needed Legos and I'm good, but they need more than that, you know. And so, you know, building this thing one after another, all these things, like I said, breed more and more of the same. Mm -hmm. And so now that I am, uh, I am uh, self-employed. I do have an employee on payroll, pay taxes. Like I'm learning the business side of my business, and that's something that. I was scared to fuck death of. I did not want to look at paying taxes and workers' comp and fucking, you know, these different numbers from the goddamn IRS. That, yeah, those bastards. That, you know, give me all this wonderful roads and shit. You know, I get in this state of ungratitude for all the things I have that I asked for. Yeah, well, <laughs> it that's, doesn't look that's like such a I great point. It's like this is this is exactly the life that I wanted. You know, or more than I could have Way guessed. More. Yeah. Like, and, and, you know, I, I, I just want to say like, I'm super, I'm grateful for like, yeah, I don't work at the IRS anymore. Right. But I'm, I'm grateful for the fact that that's, you know, behind me and that's an experience that I was able to have. And, and I have a lot of gratitude towards that job and those people and, and that place just because that place paid for my treatment. A. Right. B like, um, I have had that experience. Like what I see a lot of people that I went to school with is they, they will get out of school and then it becomes difficult to get a job in the creative industry. And what they do is end up getting a regular job. And I'm like, I did that. Yeah. I already did that. I'm not going to go back to that. Right. Yeah. So I was able to like put in the work and do what was necessary in order to get a creative job. Yeah. Um, and so like, I'm, I, I don't regret that at all. Yeah. Like, um, and, and yeah, I appreciate what you said because it really is like this, this hope building on top of hope on top of hope and to the point where, you know, like our dreams, like it's not even, it's not even fair to say that I have these dreams anymore because I just sort of have turned it all over to where I'm like, you know what? Like, I'm going to just trust that God or a higher power or the universe or whatever you want to call it is going to put me exactly where I need to be right. for, for, you know, whatever, because, and I know this because that's what's happened so far. Yeah. Um, and so when I can base it on 
my previous experience, I can always say like, so far it has always worked out the way that it's supposed to work out. Yeah. Um, and when I have a lot of fear, yes. Um, and you know. I, and I say, Oh my gosh, like, how is this going to like, how am I going to pay this? How am I going to do this? Like, and, and I become worried about that. Um, same thing applies. I'm like, you know what? Like I've been here before or I had a hell of a lot of fear about getting sober and it turned out like that was the best thing for me to right. do. Or I had a lot, a hell of a lot of fear around stepping away from the IRS. Right. And that turned out to be the thing for me to do. Right. Like, and I was able to get through that fear and better my life. Yep. So it's like, if I can look at those past instances in those moments of fear, I can always remember like, I'm going to be okay. Yeah. Like it's going to be okay. Yep. I'm really, I'm really glad that you brought all that up, you know, because, uh, you know, I, I don't want anybody to, to take it as that Cameron and I are sitting here tooting our own horn about where we're at today. Because what I, what I'm trying to convey is that this was hard to get through a lot of, um, negative thinking patterns sure. throughout the entirety of my life, this negative self-worth that I had throughout the entirety of my life, this disbelief in what I can do and where I can go. What I really want our listeners and, and viewers to understand is that we're at these places despite ourselves. Mm -hmm. We're at these places because sobriety and hope brought us to a place where we could have sobriety and hope and we can meet people like Jeff who have sobriety and hope and who have been through crazy amounts of negativity and dark places and are able to find and build and you know incredible worthwhile lives mm -hmm. on this side of sobriety mm -hmm. on this side of mental wellness on this side of health you know um i'm just so grateful to be where i'm at and to have a life that i'm not willing to give up to get drunk over because i am an alcoholic and once in a while, the solution still sounds like a drink. Right. And and as long as I'm over here and I have people like you and Jordan, you know, the podcast, you listeners, the people that give us feedback, and our friend Jeff, who's going to tell a story in a minute, as long as I have those, I know that that's a lie. I know that the solution is never a drink, mm -hmm. that the fear will pass, right. and that I'll be able to step through that and become a new and more useful person to my fellow man as I walk this journey. And I'm just, I, I, I'm overwhelmed with gratitude that so many of my dreams have come true. And I just look forward to, you know, what comes next. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Amen to what you said, dude. And I really appreciate you saying it like that. And here's the thing is like, I still have moments where I look around and say, I should be much further along than I am. You know? <laughs> sure. Or like I'll, I'll, I'll compare my life to other people my age or, to friends that make more money or to people that have different, like it's easy for me to also look around and, and discredit the life that I have. Right. Yeah. And to say like, it's not as good as it should be. Yeah. But for me, like I see when, when I'm feeling like that and I have those moments, I know that there's probably something going on with me spiritually because when I can really sit, and look at my life and say, you know what? Like, I I have everything I need. All my needs are met. Um, I have a beautiful life and family, um, a career that I could never have imagined, um, and I don't want for anything. 
Mm-hmm. Like, what else do I need? You know what I mean? Like yeah. validation from social, like from people I don't know. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Like, no, that's not a part of it. Like this life works for me and I'm grateful for it. And yeah. that's all it needs to do. Yep. And so that's, yeah, that's another realization that has come as a yeah. result of, of, of working a program, having a beautiful life, you know, speaking of beautiful lives and amazing stories, you know, about thanks, Jeff. thanks for, thanks for doing this with me again, Cameron, you know, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good and I'm reminded of, of how fortunate we are to have been given the gift of sobriety, the gift of alcoholism and, and Jeff's one of those people that are able to con- kind of convey that that change, yeah, that, for sure. that incredible change of what life can be to to what it can be, mm-hmm. right? Because mm-hmm. it could have went so different from him. So, what do you say? Uh, without further ado, here's Jeff's story. This week's war story is brought to you by Brainwashed Coffee. Brainwashed Coffee is a damn good coffee with a damn good cause. 50% of all proceeds go back into the recovery community, which makes it a perfect partner for us here at the Other Side of Hell podcast. With delicious blends like Coffee Commitment and Found a New Freedom, we drink a hell of a lot of it here, and it gives us the energy we need to deliver a quality show. Right now, you can get $5 off your coffee purchase at brainwashedcoffeeco.com using promo code OTHERSIDE. Clean your bean, brainwashed coffee. Now, without further ado, here is this week's war story. So I guess I'll start my story about where I come from. So I come from addicts, you know, misinformed people, my misinformed people. Uh, my mom and dad were both drug dealers. All my mom's brothers were drug dealers. Um, a couple of my dad's brothers and sisters were into drugs. So we were, the whole family was really hard into drugs. And alcohol, you know, my dad was a, he was a blackout drunk and uh, I followed in his steps uh, using dr- hard drugs and alcohol. And, uh, you know, uh, growing up, I was here in Ogden, but I've spent time in California and Arizona and Idaho, you know, throughout my, throughout my uh, juvenile days or whatnot. And, uh, and uh, I've done a lot of time uh, did 18 months as a juvenile. Um, that was a, that was a straight shot. I've uh, been into, I've been to nine treatments, uh, throughout my whole life. So this last time was my last one. That was my ninth one. And that was when I was in the feds doing 11 half year sentence. Um, I got into the program without getting any time cut or nothing. Just wanted to get some things in order. I've been, I stayed clean through the whole sentence. You know what I mean? And, uh, I'd had prior recoveries, um, the longest I ever had prior to this one I have now was eight years, and now I'm coming up on 12 years in, uh, on the 18th of May. And uh, most of that time, this time clean, I spent in the feds. I did nine years of the nine, 11 and a half. Um, got out, uh, like I said, I grew up in a, an addict, alcoholic family, you know what I mean? And, uh, <laughs> so uh I found out I found out through all that stuff that I had uh I had a lot of mental health issues in my family. I found out that I had a lot of like attempted suicides. My mom and my dad tried killing himself. Um the last time he relapsed, 
Um, they found a letter in his car saying that he was going to kill himself, and he ended up ODing and dying. Like he had eight years, almost eight years clean. Um, and that was prior to me getting out of prison last time. I had three months left when that happened, when he passed away. And uh, I don't know, talk about like some can die so the others can live, you know what I mean? It really taught me a lesson, you know, because um, I really looked up to my dad and his recovery. Like he was out there helping people. He turned his life around. He was really God-fearing man. And the disease ended up taking him out. And within a within a day of relapsing, he was dead, you know. So, um, so I was really I was in a treatment center at the time. His sponsor was running the treatment center in 12th Street, and uh, and I happened to talk to him about getting in there, and he shot me right in there. And uh, I was trying to get clean and sober again. I was sick and tired of my life, uh, the way I was living, you know. Um, I was a meth addict. Uh, anything you had addict you know i wasn't really too much into heroin and pills but but meth alcohol cocaine acid mushrooms all that stuff was what i really liked i did all a lot of that stuff and um and so when i went to treatment this last that time my dad was there i really found a foundation with god and god was like really talking to me my higher power you know and uh there was all these coincidences going on that that were like super powerful and it was just showing me that he was there for me you know and uh and that was a real big deal for me in my recovery and i ended up staying clean got out stayed clean for eight years almost eight years that last time and didn't do a lot of the work just like living on the rock star lifestyle stuff you know what i mean just not using get a real good step one um wasn't really putting a lot of trust in God, which I should have, because that's where really that's for me, that's the the uh that's the meat and gravy of the whole program, you know, that's the full measure of the program, you know, uh, the substance of it for me. And uh and so I ended up uh I ended up going on a relapse, got caught, went to the feds, all that stuff. And um and this time down, man, I'd hurt. Like I, I went, I went out with almost eight years clean. And when I did that, I think a lot of it was I, I wasn't, I wasn't uh, centered in who I was and all that stuff. When I relapsed, um, I was wanting all the things everybody else has, but wasn't willing to work for it. You know, so I wasn't content. And uh, uh, like I said, I was still hurting people's feelings a lot, talking a lot of mad stuff to them, and. And and I still have that mentality, prison mentality. You know, I've I've got almost 20 years in by the time I was 43. So um I had a lot of mentality left and was running on that stuff, trying to get my way. And uh I ended up getting so a lot more anxiety than I, you know, towards the end of that when I relapsed that last time. And I went and got on meds and the meds made me suicidal and I and ended up trying to take my life at a uh, NA convention. And, um, yeah, that was a eye opener. So I used that against me. You know what I mean? After that, I, I didn't relapse. I, um, I just really couldn't quite figure out where I fit in. You know what I mean? Like I felt like everybody was talking about me when I went to meetings and, you know, there's a guy that tried killing himself, <laughs> you know what I mean? I just felt really lost at that time. You know what I mean? So I started hanging around with my mom who was using, um, 
then I found out I had a gambling addiction, uh, went out and blew all the money I was supposed to use on my bills and ended up, uh, selling drugs to make up for that money. You know what I mean? And, uh, I did a couple robberies that didn't, that didn't pan out the way I wanted. So I, I did what I did best and I was selling drugs and, uh, ended up catching a fed beef and, uh, got a tender life there. And when I went down this time, I was, I was, this is my jumping off point. I was done. You know, I had all these, uh, I had all these, uh, regrets, remorse and all this stuff that was just, it was so, uh, prevalent in my life at the time that it was just eating me alive. It made me super, super bitter, you know, like, um, I try to explain it to people, but it was just a bitterness that I've never seen or experienced from anybody that I've ever met. Like at least for me, like people would be talking and I'd be in my mind, I'd be like, you're full of shit. You know what I mean? You're just, just trying to blow my head up and trying to make yourself look good. And so it, it was bad, you know, and then, and that turned into some paranoia, you know, I started people, I started getting a uh, social anxiety from it and didn't really hang around people too much, you know, but, uh, but I, I found that, uh, I knew what I, I knew it worked, you know what I mean? And that was a program, you know, and, uh, and, uh, being connected with God and stuff like that. So I was getting down and really trying to connect with him as much as I could. And, and, uh, for a long time, it didn't seem like anything was coming. You know, I wasn't, most of the recoveries I had, it was, uh, it was easy for me to get down on my knees and pray to God and, and see some things going on, you know what I mean? But this time it just seemed like it was, it wasn't going that way, you know? And, uh, and so I, uh, I just held on to a little seed. It wasn't even hope. It was just a hope to have hope, you know, again. And I held on to that. And uh, throughout throughout that, uh, that whole time, I'd really just focused on what I wanted to be, you know, and I, and I, and I didn't have a lot of meetings to go to. There wasn't a lot in the feds where I was at. Um, but I really just like open up my Bible, open up my big book, open up my basic text, you know, whatever I could get my hands on that was going to feed my mind and direct me in the right way. And I did that every day. And I read my daily meditations and I prayed and I acted retarded, you know, what I mean? <laughs> got out and acted the fool, you know what I mean? At the, at the same time for, and I had to go through a lot of that pain again, still, you know, like all that mentality was uh, drawn me into having the keys of the car and all this just crap stuff you know what i mean the stuff that that i that was like it was like a big contradiction to me you know i was living a walking contradiction like i wanted god recovery but i was doing everything opposite of that you know i started to see that stuff and um and i really really just got uh i don't know after a while i started to introvert again you know and i, and I started seeing myself and all these people that were around me because i could it's just like being in a house of me, you know what I mean? I'd watch everybody doing the same things I did, talking the same shit I talked and, and, uh, I don't know. It, it was, uh, it was a, it's a different kind of perspective, you know, and I tried to center myself in that and I ended, but God was there, you know, working with me. And, uh, I started to see some coincidences again in my life. And I went into, uh, I ended up going into the shoe for, for fighting and, uh, and uh, I got, I, I beat up some sex offenders and uh, got put into the shoe for that. And then 
they wouldn't let anybody go into the into my cell with me for like two months. And because uh, most of the people in the shoe were sex offenders and whatnot. And uh and uh going from there, you know, I, I met this I ended up getting put in a cell with a with a Mexican immigrant that had uh he was he was hooked up with a cartel and stuff, but he was a really godly man, you know what I mean? And he like would get down on his knees and pray and prostrate himself when he prayed. He wrote Psalms and, and lamentations and stuff like that to God of his own life. You know what I mean? And it was just a super beautiful thing. It really, it really drew me to God in a lot of ways. I was doing a lot of stuff to draw myself to him, but uh, seeing that kind of passion and that, uh, that relationship that he had with him was something that, I, that drew me towards that, you know, being, especially me and him being in a cell together doing that. And um, anyway, I, I went, I went through my time and I, and I, and I grew, you know, I started to grow in God, the relationship with God. Um, I had, I had mishaps here and there, you know, the prison lifestyle and whatnot. And then, uh, and I was really, really focusing on getting home and I wanted to get home and be somebody different. And, uh, I had to got, start getting this mentality that, uh, that it is what it is type stuff, you know what I mean? That I had to, to let it go and just be where I'm at and let God work in the middle of my life. Let recovery have its have its part uh, portion and part of it, you know what I mean? Where I could make better decisions and, and open my eyes to being of service to somebody, you know? And so from there, I, I tried to open meetings and stuff like that. And uh, towards the end, like I said, I got into treatment again for my last time. And... When I got, when I got through that, I I dealt with some grief stuff, some trauma stuff that gone on in my life, because I'm a victim of sexual abuse and stuff like that also, and uh, and I'd gotten through that, I really did a lot of work and really started to understand who I was and like who I was, and then and that, and that grew into a a love, you know, for myself, what I'm about, what I do in my life every day, um, and. So when I got out, I had to readjust because I was in a whole different setting for for nine years almost, you know. And, uh, and so I got out and I just did the same thing. I just started applying that stuff that I learned in there, like keeping God in the middle of it. If if it's super, super bad, you know, just try to be more positive. So I ain't throwing gas on the fire and, you know, making things work for me and everybody else because of the dr the drama that's going on or the things that are going on in my life. I don't have to throw flames on it and make mountains out of mouse shit. You know what I mean? And um, I found that there's an old saying, if I have faith in one hand and hope in another, I won't pick up a drink or a drug. You know what I mean? And I remember that. And I know that that's a beautiful thing because putting God in the middle of that stuff, right? It it gives me, um, not only does it give me that that faith that I can walk through anything, but it gives me the hope that I could become anything that I want. So when I got out, I just started driving cement trucks. You know, I started off there and uh, I've been doing that for a while, making good money doing that, applying my myself to recovery in my area. You know what I mean? The best that I can. I'm open to people. I ran a recovery house for a couple years, you know, and I've been out four now almost and uh, going on four. And the blessings keep coming, you know what I mean? Like... I, I remember my sponsor used to tell me like 
it took me real a long time to get this fucked up. You know what I mean? It's not gonna you're not gonna be better overnight. You know what I mean? He says, but the more that we the more that we apply a light onto the dark things, and the more that we turn that stuff over to God and other people, the more that we'll grow. You know. And so since I've been out, man, I've seen my life. I could have never pictured it better. You know what I mean? I had all these ideas when I was sitting in a cell what life was going to look like. And there was a little bit more glamour to that, but but the glamour is not what has substance. You know what I mean? It's the it's the con, the connection with people. Um, it's the uh, the love and the friendships and the the relationships. I got married to a beautiful, godly woman that is absolutely amazing. She blows my mind. Blows my mind. She's just an amazing person. Um, I have so many friends that would drop anything to come talk to me if I needed them to, because I've done that. I've had to have that happen. Um, I've seen God in the middle of, of losing my mom since I've been sober and been out. You know, I lost my mom to cancer and some other things and, uh, and walked through it with grace and dignity and honor. You know what I mean? Those are the types of things that bring substance to my life, you know? When I can look Jeff in the face and say, look, I love who you are today, man. That's a beautiful thing because I've never, everything outside of me was always what dictated how I feel about me, you know? And the reality of it was the answer was always right in here. If I could figure out what my true self was, you know what I mean? And base, on, and base myself off that and just grow off that. Then I can become anything that I want. You know, I can become the person that I want. I remember uh, sitting in a cell and God was showing me like this idea of what kind of man that I wanted to be, right? And it was like, it was kind of a compartmentalization type of thing, right? But I wanted to have, uh, I wanted people to, I wanted the people, I wanted to have uh, integrity, responsibility. I wanted to be loving and and uh, and have all the opposite things that I was when I was on the street. I wanted to do the opposite of that. So it made it pretty easy, you know what I mean? And, uh, but I wanted to be able to, I wanted people to see me when, and this isn't out of ego, this is out of love, right? I wanted people to know they're loved by me because of the spirituality that I have. When they see me, they know they're loved, you know, and that's something I ne that never really, so my true self ended up coming from that because that's who I was created to be was loved and to love, right? And so coming from that point, um, Growing from that idea, that's what I attain for, you know what I mean? And I'm not perfect at it. And for this addict though, you know what I mean? I was I was violent. I got I got all kinds of horrible stories. I could go into all that stuff, but you know, I was a violent person. I had uh I've been abused when I was growing up. My dad was violent, uh, my uncles were all violent. But I learned that that was all fake as hell. You know what I mean? That whole lifestyle was just fake. It was a uh, it was like ego trying to take from ego. You know what I mean? It, it just doesn't, it's a never ending thing. It's a vicious cycle. And uh, so being able to get out and like, just learn what it's like to be able to build things and have good credit, a job. I mean, I never, I've never held a job unless it was a tweaker job. You know what I mean? Till I got out this time and it's been amazing. Like I'm I'm the best worker that I can be for my company. I try to be the best everything that I can be. Uh and it's just amazing to try to do that stuff, you know. And um to be able to come from where I came from and have a heart that I know that I know is is good, 
that is true, that is genuine, that that is uh that has honor and respect, you know, to the best of my ability, but that's what I truly want to attain. You know what I mean? It's all that stuff, but I know who I am. And uh, I'm, I'm on step four right now, working through some of that stuff. You know what I mean? And like, uh, really grasping on the steps of the program. Cause I've never worked the steps. And I know that that's going to add to that. You know, like God is, God is my higher power has given me an idea that the more, the more that I attain from, from learning things, right. Or learning about myself now that I'm in a spiritual state that I can use that stuff to help other people to, to the best of my ability. You know what I mean? So I've never worked the steps. I've only gotten to five and never read it. You know, I did step fours twice and never read them. You know what I mean? And so uh, this is going to be a new threshold for Jeff. You know what I mean? To like open up to somebody and like, and I'm excited to do it really, you know, being uh being able to know that I know that my higher power has some tools that he's going to give me. And it's been confirming a lot of the things that I've been walking in my life already, you know, and it's beautiful because uh, I'm in the right path. I'm on the right path going the right direction. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, and so like, um, I just know I can do anything that I want me, me and my wife are going to go out over the road for a few years so that we can build us a house, come back, have some security doing that and focus on service. That's my goal in life is to focus on service. I have these opportunities to open up, to, I'll open up things. Um, but I think it's more, more real and more, uh, it ha it'd be more uh, realistic to have uh, a foundation before I do that. You know what I mean? And all that stuff's going to be there and God's always going to have that open for me. So that's where I'm headed at right now. So that I'm going through school, applying myself to get my class angle, do some OTR over the road stuff, you know, for a few years and, uh, and, uh, dig into some YouTube stuff and do some channels and, open up to people, you know, about who me and her are and what we're doing and where God and where recovery's taken us in our life, you know? And, uh, but, uh, I don't know, like, um, like I said, um, I have, I have family still that are in, in active addiction, you know, my daughter's in active addiction, uh, uh, you know, and, and, and I can only lead by example. I can only be the best motherfucker that I can be, you know what I mean? So that she can see me who I am as a person and, um, and learn from that, you know? And, uh, cause she knows who I was, you know what I mean? She knows who I was. So to be able to, to be able to know that there's a path for her, that, that I'm building a path for her and other people that are using gives me that purpose. You know what I mean? That substance in life, that, that good feeling. We talked about purpose the other night and, uh, you know, having that purpose of being able to have my hand out and uh, to any alcoholic addict, whatever you're, anybody really, you know what I mean? To have my hand out for anybody um, that's struggling, whether they're 30 years clean or 10 minutes clean, you know what I mean? Whatever it is, I'm there, you know? I have, I have something that I can give to somebody, even if it's just a hug, whatever it is, you know? And so... Uh, I don't know. So the the biggest thing that um the biggest thing for me has been my higher power and people because I see God working through all the people in my life, and um so I, I I keep I keep every day is new for me and I keep it open to Him 
and to other people's, you know, and being teachable from other people and uh, focusing on how I can be better a little bit in the moment. You know what I mean? Sitting in the moment, I can meditate, whatever the hell it is. You know what I mean? I can stop and be still, Jeff. You know what I mean? And meditate on what I need to do and really be able to do that stuff. That's some, like, I was so erratic and emotional and paranoid and angry and fearful and regretful and all these things. That's who I was. That's what my will was for so long. And um, being able to, to stop in the middle of the day and be, and be okay. It's not, it doesn't always work perfect for me, but I, I can, I have been able to attain that stuff. And, um, and my whole life is recovery. You know what I mean? I ain't ashamed to tell nobody that I've been to prison. I ain't ashamed to tell nobody nothing about my life. If they don't like it. If it keeps you from getting a job, whatever, God's got something planned for me. Two, and, two uh, minutes. Two minutes. Two minutes. And, uh, I don't know, doing just being able to talk to people about who I am and uh, and uh, understand who they are and let let them talk to me about who they are and uh, just that connection. You know what I mean? Is real and uh, yeah, taking this stuff a day at a time, man. If you're new or nearly new, you know uh, there are people here that love you. They've been to the same places you've been, whether it's smoking a little weed here and there, and then you saw a change in your life to to the extremes you know what i mean we we've got so many different people here and we're all just as we're all just as valid you know we're all four feet tall we're all just as valid and we're all here for the same reason and uh that's to learn to get that's to learn to love each other better and get better and get a and have better lives and be a part of and step apart from you know my uh my hope for any newcomer is that uh you'll just reach out to somebody man and and hopefully you know they'll love you through everything that's going on that's all I got. Man, I love that. I, I love that we're all four feet tall. No, there's no big shots. There's no li little shots around here. Yeah, I uh, really heard that early on, man. And reaching out is so huge. Yeah, I like that, too. I really appreciate. Yeah, that's one thing I was able to get through a 12-step program. And I don't, I mean, if you're in recovery or sober, uh, the odds are you're doing some kind of work, whether it's AA or whatever, right? One of the biggest things I was able to gain is um, looking at myself right-sized. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> it's a problem, right? Right, yeah. Because you either think you're fucking worse than you are or better than you are. And most of the time worse. Yeah. You know, um, but there definitely was both. Yeah. Um, but yeah, his story was great, yeah. man. Came from a fucking pretty insane background, oh. you know, and, and in and out of prison for so long. I, I, I love what he talked about his celly you know, in there doing the, doing the prayers and, yeah. uh, you know, just, just being humble, you know, despite where he was at that whole thing. Isn't it amazing? You know, like sometimes the, the places that, that we will find, uh, uh, our spirituality. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's what he needed when he needed it, you know? And, and like I said, he, he had that place where he hoped for hope and I can remember that. You know, I can remember, I can remember, uh, wanting to be honest, having the desire to desire to be honest. Right. Right. You know? Yeah. I always love that. It's, it just reminds me of like, 
when I'm when I'm praying for the willingness to be willing. Yeah. Right. It's just help me be willing. Sometimes I gotta have you know a couple steps. Like I gotta break (laughs) things down a little bit and say you know like hey, maybe I'll dare to hope. Yeah. Dare to dream. Dare to dream. You know, and he's he's in it now. You know, and he's been with the the same company for a while. You know, which which is kind of cool. Yeah. Having that workspace, and and. That he's finally working his fucking steps. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's about goddamn time, it's about Jeff. About goddamn time, Jeff. <laughs> God, that just goes to show again. Like, you know, you could stay sober on the community and and stuff like that for a long time, but uh, there's definitely a different level of uh, understanding to yourself when you take some type of written action. You know, and we've heard so many different ways mm-hmm. on the show uh, of people doing that type of of work. You know, or we go in and we, we realize that we're alcoholic or addict. We realize there's a problem. We put our trust into someone or something to, to guide us in that direction. You know, we start putting pen to paper and start writing down about our past and the things that we're upset about. You know, we call it we call it the inventory. We share honestly with other people. Um, brutal honesty, rigorous honesty rigorous, yeah. um, with other people, making that change. Be willing to give up the things that don't work anymore. You know, the lying, the stealing, the sneaking, the the hurting of mm-hmm. ourselves, you know, denying our conscience, the thing that tells us to stop doing this or stop doing that, start doing this, start doing that. We start, you know, making amends to the people we've harmed. Uh, and it seems like it's like that across the board, you know, and, and Jeff's in that space now where he, he's ready to dig in and find yeah. find that 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 deeper level of understanding for self so that he can continue to move into his dreams and, and hopes. And I'm excited to see what it does for him. And, and kudos to the AA group around here locally for making it still look attractive enough <laughs> Yeah. that after that many, that much time, you know, like he wants to get into it and he yeah. wants to do it. So and congratulations on getting married and he hasn't been married for very long, but sounds like like the, the right thing. Mm hmm. You know, we get what we need when we need it. We it get seems what we like need. when we when we yeah. put ourselves out there and get that psychic change that we've been desiring. We're fucking tired of sick and tired of being sick and tired of being sick and tired all the time. You know, and and I just I I love the recovery community in my community, man. It, um, it was part of what attracted me to staying here. Uh, were the people that brought these meetings into the jail, the the message that they carried. And then, you know, getting out of jail and meeting some of these people locally has has really changed my life. You know, you're one of those people. Jeff's one of those people. Jordan's one of those people. I didn't meet Ryland in the um, recovery community, but uh, if we didn't have this show, I probably would have never met him. And and so I'm really grateful for everybody that's helped me out. And, you know, Jeff, thanks for sharing your story. Yeah, thank you, Jeff. It's incredible, you know. It's a good show. A lot, a lot, a lot of, a lot of good shit, man. It's fun to go back and start remembering. It's okay to dream, and it's okay to hope. Yeah, just kind of following that path, like from, you know, dreaming naively to not dreaming at all to dreaming in a realistic fashion, and then, you know, finally getting to a point where you're seeing some of those manifest into a life that was more than you could have imagined. Yeah. It's been uh, it's interesting. Yeah, it's good. Turns out there's something probably that has a hand in it that's bigger than me. It's good. Yeah. 
life is good. So, Cameron, what do you think? Tell me, tell me how much you love me, Willie. I love you so much, dude. That's what I'm looking for. <laughs> I love you so much that I'm going to be brutally honest with you, even when you don't want it. Oh, <laughs> right now? No. Or? Okay, later. Later. Cool. Well, I love you too, man. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's good to be here. Good yeah. to be on the show. And uh, good, good episode. Yeah. Thank you. Jordan. Thanks, Jordan. Jordan, I said thank you. <laughs> Ryland, it's good to see you. All Thanks, Ryland. <laughs> what do you say? Should we get out of here? Let's do it. All right. We will see you on the other side. Remember, you are worth the work. The Other Side of Hell is a do-it-yourself podcast. For more information, recovery resources, and contact info, check out our website at theothersideofhellpodcast.com. You can help us spread our message by liking and subscribing, giving us a follow, or a five-star rating.